Well, good evening. It is Monday, May 27th, 2019, and welcome to the sixth episode of District 29's Political Action Committee podcast. This is District 29 Unpacked. We made it to a six-pack. <laughs> eh? Pretty good. I just thought about that. It's not even in the script. <laughs> I'm your host, uh, representing We the North. It is Adam Gibson coming to you live from Center Court at OSSTF District 29. Say hello to my regular co-host. The Drake to my Kyle Lowry. It's Chris Masterson. I don't know about anyone else, but I find Drake embarrassing on the basketball. <laughs> I just do. But you started from the bottom and you made it to the top. That's true. So that's that's true. true. And he is a veteran big man with excellent Spanish. So say hola to our Mark Gasol, Mr. Jason Bremner. Hey, I'm no basketball fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's tip off, gentlemen. We are over 270 listens in between the five episodes Remember to access us via the podcast app on your Apple device. Search District 29 Unpacked. Subscribe. All that good stuff. You can always email us with questions or comments at d29pac at gmail.com or follow the District 29 PAC account at OSSTFD. And thank you, too, in advance for tonight's very generous sponsors. If folks would like to go back and hear Episode 5 from late April, we interviewed local trustees Allison Kelly and Kristen Parks. Uh, this will be our last podcast of the school year, so cry a little tear. Pour one out for Season 1 of District 29 <laughs> Unpacked. Uh, we made it. Uh, tonight, CeeLo and Jay and I are going to discuss some of the bumbling exploits of the Ford government and report upon uh, some of our local members meeting with a member of Provincial Parliament, Daryl Cramp. Uh, we have some interesting verbatim responses from Mr. Cramp. Uh, so <laughs> st stay tuned for that. Uh, later on at the end, Bayside Secondary School's Greg Stevens will stop by to talk about spelunking. Uh, but tonight we want to start with a bit of a catch-up <laughs> with the uh, straw that stirs the drink. Our hired assassin, Kawhi Leonard, District 29 President Scott Marshall. <laughs> I've called you worse things than that, right? Yeah, yeah. hey. Uh, I would Kawhi. That's... I would take the Kawhi. Yeah. <clears throat> so we, we wanted to bring you in uh, tonight, Scott. Um, off the top, just to give us an update regarding bargaining. Can you tell us what's going on both locally and centrally? This might be quick. <laughs> yeah, so local bargaining hasn't started. We've got our brief uh, pretty much ready to go. So um, if local bargaining uh, is to initiate, we'll be ready for that. Can you tell people what uh, we typically include in a brief? Like when we're ready to present to the board? Yeah, well, it depends, right? Because with this two-tiered bargaining now, the first step is centrally they determine what the central issues are and what the local issues are. Yeah. So the central bargaining uh, I'm hearing uh, in, in memos that have come out from our uh, provincial president uh, has not been going well. Um, and it seems that the boards want every, everything to be done centrally again. And it, it's, uh, you know, it's, we saw that from, from them before. They seem to want to make themselves irrelevant and, and not have to do any work. So that's slowing things down. Okay. Uh, the chief negotiator and I are going to a meeting in Toronto on Thursday, and I think we'll be debriefed on where things stand. But right now, we don't really know what the things are that we'll be talking about locally and, okay. and, and centrally. It, generally, since the shift to put the, the money coming from the government instead of uh, local school boards generating revenues, it makes sense to bargain the, uh, the, the funding envelope centrally because you're sitting right with the government there. Sure. But there's a lot of... Um, good language that's best left for locals because every local has a different working environment and 
uh, we're ready to go. So, you know, hopefully things do move and we can get into bargaining, but who knows? Cause this, this current government is just crazy. So we'll see what happens. Silo, you have some stuff on, uh, we've had a couple press releases and yeah. bargaining updates from, from yeah. uh, our central table and Harvey Bischoff. Uh, do you yeah. want to hit some of the key stats sure. and figures you've just, seen? Just to pick up on something Scott said, I, I'm left wondering uh, if the Ford government is trying to make the case to eliminate school boards altogether eventually, uh, you know, similar to some sort of centralization plan. It certainly reduced the number seems like part of the strategy. And I agree with Scott. I think the uh, school board association is kind of falling for the trap by uh, trying to argue that everything should be central. But now Harvey Bischoff, our president, uh, has said that uh, uh, they are leaving no meaningful role for local governance structures and they are centralizing everyth everything. They seem to have little faith in local boards. Um, I wonder that how that makes our local trustees feel, uh, particularly the ones you know we had in here uh, last month for yeah, <laughs> as part right. of this podcast. Do we get the sense? Do we get the sense that they that there's that not much is getting done locally because they have no agency or they don't want to have agency? Or do you even have a sense of that? What do I mean by that is like that yeah. they have that they actually don't have a role or that they just don't want to have a role that they would prefer the, the trustees themselves. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, Scott might be able to answer it in the past, based on the past, what uh, role the trustees played. But I would suspect they don't play a lot. Like they have your staff, your director, and yep. and your other people to to do that. I don't know. And and law firms. <laughs> yeah, I, I I haven't spoken with our local trustees specifically about the, the the climate today. But in the past, it seemed that boards just don't want to do the work at local tables, and they want it all done for them centrally. Sure. And it's uh, again, it's. Um, um, not the right way to do it because you you can't have everything centralized when there's such diversity across the province. I can appreciate the political expediency of that, of being in the trustee seat and knowing what's coming down the pipe and the really hard decisions that you're hamstrung to make and just saying, like, maybe sure. someone else can make that decision. Sure, so, but, I mean, issue like class sizes, we use that as an example. Sure. To me, that's a local issue because every community, every school board has its own unique needs. Uh, the, the needs in Hastings Prince Edward are far different no worse, no better, whatever, but they're different, far different unique, sure. than unique than say in TDSB, for example, uh, it's a big difference. Um, so I think a lot, <laughs> I, I, I didn't like this when the liberals brought this in and, and now it's definitely being used against us. So to me, there's some of the blame lies with the former liberal government for setting up this process. One of the things that's interesting. Well, is, my care set it all up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But they, and, and we were pretending for a while that school boards still generated revenues when they didn't. So right. but it was a previous conservative government that set this whole mm -hmm. thing up. Yes. And, and they just, they designed it so they wouldn't take ownership right. for the problems. Right. But the two, two tier bargaining process was set up under the locals. Yes. They the, formalize the, it. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Uh, one, one of the things that that's happened here, I believe is that uh, Harvey has said, OSSTF is asking for an arbitrator uh, to rule on what's central and what's right. uh, local and failing that, then they'll have to go to the labor relations board and, um, you know, that's not a great start. If we're already <laughs> talking about labor relations board <laughs> yeah. and we haven't even we, really begun, yeah. then that's not a good, that's beginning. not good. Yeah. No. Uh, you had a note here too, about, uh, strike votes. Once talks formally break down all that stuff. What would you well, want I just, uh, maybe more of a question for Scott. And I know that, uh, our provincial executive member who was at our AGM mentioned that the earliest, of course, that you could possibly hold a vote legally. To strike legally would be August 1st, 30 days prior to the end of your contract. And, um, you know, once talks formally break down, my understanding is that no board report could be filed 
And after that, I think it's about 17 to 21 days that there could be some sort of action. And that, of course, is upon the end of the contract. So um, there is possibility there that come September, the end of September, late September, then things could really heat up for sure. Yeah, okay. Okay, um, before we wrap up the segment, I just wanted to ask uh, Scott, I'm curious, is there an update that we can give people on action they can be taking locally? Um, We had a series of uh, town hall meetings. Actually, perhaps you could discuss those first. Uh, what the response is like at the town hall meetings you've been at in the last month? And yeah, what I'll, you've seen I'll, come from I'll, I'll quickly work backwards to that. Sure. Um, nobody wants to be on strike. Everybody wants to be in the schools, uh, working together and seeing the students succeed. That, yeah. That's that's what everybody wants. Strike isn't where we want to be. Uh, this government hasn't been honest about the changes they're making to public education, and their their cuts are deep. And they're going to um, deeply impact the quality of learning, I suppose, that the uh, secondary sco- uh, school students uh, are receiving. And it, 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 the whole public system is going to be compromised. But I want to be careful not to uh, speak, uh, I guess, for for uh, fretful uh, on that. Sure. But I know they're looking at cuts as well. So to to try to stem off, I think, the, the massive breakdown in collective bargaining, which, you know, it, it, sadly, it seems inevitable that, that that's going to happen. Uh, we've been holding town hall meetings to try to uh, have a very honest and frank discussion with community members about what these cuts will mean. And we present uh, hard facts and numbers based on what we know. And, uh, you know, they, they leave those meetings um, very concerned. And, um, you know, some communities are organizing. There's a coalition now out in uh, Picton that have organized to push back against not just the cuts to education, but uh, a lot of the other cuts that we've seen the conservative government make. The coalition of just local citizens. Yeah. Not, local, not affiliated with OSSTF. Just no, the no, yeah. that, that's, that's right. That's right. Keep in mind that OSSTF members, by the way, do uh, have families uh, and, and kids in the school system. Sure. They got friends and family in healthcare. So like we've still got a stake in all of this as individuals. Absolutely. So, I mean, they, they, they may be uh, there as well. Uh, so we're trying to put a lot of pressure on the MPPs right now to realize uh, how uh, deep uh, these cuts are and what impact they will have on the communities and trying to use some pressure that way to get them to uh, reconsider, I guess, these decisions that they made and maybe retract uh, some of what's been announced. So on we'll that, see. I, that, I, I, mean, I haven't seen a hint of any changes yet to the education Not cuts, education. by the way. No. But I think we're going to touch on that later on in the podcast, right? Sure, but, sure. Uh, uh, maybe some of the bright side of that pressure you're talking about and, and the potential impact it may have on this government. Do you tell people about the leaflet a little bit before we move on? Yeah, we've got some uh, leaflets printed uh, to uh, distribute to members of the community. Uh, our MPP, Todd Smith, is hurting Ontario's future. Tell them to stop. Or our MPP, Dale Cramp, is hurting Ontario's future. Tell them to stop. So we're printing these and we intend to get them out in the community. Uh, certainly if any of our Members are listening. Uh, we can probably um, hold a couple of events where we get together and we leaflet our, our local streets and whatnot and uh, get the news out anyhow. Do you want uh, individual members like contacting you to like, anyone who's interested? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay. For sure. Well, that's great news. And we'll start putting the pressure on because it's going to be a long summer, I think. Okay. We'll be right back after this message from our generous sponsors. Today's podcast is brought to you by the standardized math test for everyone. 
Under the Ford government's new plan, standardized math tests have been extended to any and all occupations. Before your electrician flips a switch, he better flip that improper fraction. No plumber will touch your backed-up toilet without first running it through the TI-83. And while the paver prepares your neighborhood intersection, he must first solve for its solution, graphically, algebraically, and with technology. Premier Ford leads by example and implores us all to review our math skills. For while the tests are coming for you, his is coming too. All right, and we're back for segment two. We want to take a look at some of the formalized cuts that have emerged from our exhaling balloon of a premier over the last little bit. Uh, They have been formalized in the series of technical papers uh, that make their way out from the Ministry of Education. And local expert Chris Masterson... (laughs) Would like to wax poetic on a suit. So you got all these numbers in this segment. I am optimistic that you're going to pass the uh, teacher math test when it comes down the line. I should be able to, although I couldn't do. Uh, I see Rich Long's math class every day when I walk by his classroom, and it's it's a total other language to me. I can't understand what's going on. But well, fingers I crossed, think, buddy. I did take my JI course, so I had to take math in teachers' college. So I think I'll be. Hopefully there's some uh, long division <laughs> on the test. Yeah. Uh, okay, go ahead. Tell us some of the stats we need to know. Well, now the that technical the technical papers, papers are out, um, uh, the money, the, the the cuts, actually work out to 13.2 fewer secondary teachers per every 1,000 students in the province. Okay. So that would be uh, 79 classes eliminated per every 1,000 students. Um, there's actually tw- almost 20%. I think it's 19.4 or 19.6 uh, percent less per pupil pupil funding than the technical papers. 18 of that 20% is in secondary alone. Okay. So elementary is eating up about 2% of those cuts and secondary is 18. Um, and their argument, as we'll see from Kevin a bit, is like, no, we're actually increasing the funding. Right. Well, yeah. and, and, <laughs> but and, per student, it's dead. Right. That's and, and, and technically, overall, budget-wise, they're spending $5 billion more than than the previous government. Yet they're cutting all these services. So that's the big question. Why is their budget actually more than the liberal budget? Why are they spending more money but cutting everything? Because they've moved things into the education budget that never used to be there. Right. They're, they're, right. they're, not, they're not an honest government. Right. I'm talking so keep over, that, keep not, that in mind. <laughs> not just education budget, but their overall provincial budget is spending significantly more than the previous liberal government. And slashing all these things, I can't. Like all, all of a sudden, like <laughs> new license plate design right. is an item in the well, Ministry of Education. Can- canceling, the- canceling contracts here in the county alone, canceling the the wind turbine contracts. I think that cost them seven hundred fifty thousand dollars or something. Uh, today, the announcement of the beer store monopoly, which you know I can support ending that monopoly, but uh, you know there was a big contract in place, and there's big penalties, and there talk of up to a billion dollars uh, in fees for canceling that contract. So uh, so overall, they're doing that, uh, the kind of cutting things despite spending more money. In Limestone alone, just last week, they announced 67 redundancies. And here in Hastings, Prince Edward, we had uh, 32 elementary school teachers yep. uh, get redundancy. Now, some of that is declining enrollment, I'm sure. There's a little bit of that here and there, but um, that doesn't account for, for all of it by any stretch. So um, you know, it's, it's a real problem. One thing uh, to note is, you know, the, the fiscal watchdog in Ontario says that Ford's overall plan for cuts in the province, not just education, but overall, 
means that the average person or per person cut is about $1,100 per person in spending. And Ontario already was the lowest per capita spending on social programs of any province in the country. Yeah. So you've taken the lowest, <laughs> the, the weakest government spending, and you've cut it now by $1,100 a person per, per year. So uh, that's pretty significant. Jay, the other, uh, the other thing we saw coming over the last couple of days uh, was the question of Cooper is rearing its dragon size tonight. I can't tell the people uh, what that means and what they're about. <laughs> it's, it's the first sniffing and kind of test in the waters for privatization. They're looking out there to see, hey, will you give us some of this data that we're looking for? And they're offering money. What they're really looking for is any kind of rationale, any kind of little inclination that could say, yeah, we'll push it towards So they're looking for teachers to respond to the survey they have to identify for them wants, wants and needs of, right. of students so they can then develop the online. You could turn around and So they plan. can take that data and give it to the people who will, or sell it to the people that's, who, that's will, right. who will develop right. uh, the online program uh, that best meets students' needs yep. that we're kind of already doing. But In, yep. uh, in the States, I, I think it's New Jersey, and I, I can't remember the exact state, but uh, Summit Learning is being sued by a bunch of parents and school boards are being sued because, which is actually, a, I think a subsidiary of, well, it is a subsidiary of Facebook um, because they're offering, they're forcing students into e-learning courses. Well, now parents there are, are very upset at the end result and what it means for their kid just plunk somewhere in front of a computer sure. with no real supervision, et cetera. So parents have actually taken up lawsuits in, in New Jersey to sue uh, both the, the, the government and uh, Summit Learning, which as I said, is a Facebook company. So, that's the privatization agenda at play. Well, on that note, let's go to New Jersey's favorite son to take Ooh, us yeah. out to the next segment. Good call. The boss. Let's take us out, Bruce. Today's podcast is brought to you by Retroactive Non-Retroactive Cuts. Inspired by Premier Ford's decision to retroactively declare his retroactive cuts to municipalities off the table, District 29 Unpacked encourages you to reimagine the Ontario we never weren't. The boss. That does, that sounds. That would. That song would be at home on country radio today. Yeah, it's very country no, sounding. Sad, it's uh, sad his sad. new solo album that he's got coming out. I think next week or the week after. I'm in for all things the boss. Yeah. Well, uh, we know that Bruce Springsteen is famous for uh, marathon uh, <laughs> concerts for sure. You get uh, like twelve or sixteen encores. Uh, and we have a marathon session ourselves to share with you right now. Uh, one of our local members uh, met recently with member of provincial parliament, Mr. Daryl Cramp, and uh, we were able to gather today uh, a transcript of that meeting, uh, including a variety of um, responses by Mr. Cramp to a series of the questions. And we thought it might be fun to just play a little uh, greatest hits roulette. Sure. To spin the wheels and see what question we land upon and then what answer we land upon. And uh, I specifically just told Chris and Jay, don't read all these to me because I want to react in real time <laughs> to the nonsense. So uh, you, the listener, you're surprised. So nice. I'm surprised. Uh, I've had a Diet Pepsi. I'm ready to rock. Yeah. Go ahead and hit it, Chris. First one. Well, hold on. Last last show, Kendra mentioned some yes, of these, yes. uh, but we finally have a transcript, as as you mentioned. Yep. So here's the first one. Uh, the I guess the constituent asked him 
uh, tech classes. They're capped at 22 for health and safety reasons. And Mr. Kramp said, then why are other province, provinces handling it and getting better results? Every other province are providing, are providing better results than us. Where are we screwing up? Why are we spending so much more than other provinces and not getting results? And then Kendra asked, what kind of results? Ontario is considered a world-class education system. And he said, the information I'm seeing says that we aren't. We're not heads and above by a far stretch. Sorry, what was that phrase? Heads and above by a far stretch? Yeah. (laughs) Playing fast and loose with his grammar there? Well, I'll chalk that up to the transcript. (laughs) Yeah, that, well, yeah, we'll play that down the middle. Jay, give me your best one. Well, one of your best ones. Well, when asked, how could we move forward with uh, saving money? It was put to him that maybe one school board system or the EQAO. Love it. His answer, one school board system was a consideration. Me personally, I have no problem with one school board. Good. Wrap the duplication, it's well over a billion dollars in savings. When asked, do you voice that in caucus? <laughs> ah, there's not an appetite on any party right now to be able to formally say one system is the way to go. Oh, come on, Daryl, fight for it. politically palatable at this point. We can't make too many changes at once. But where do you start? Where do you stop? I think one system will be an eventuality. See, if they went to one system, they could use that billion dollars to pay off the uh, beer store for the breaking their contract. Where do you start? Where do you stop? You know, I think that's your responsibility to answer that question, Mr. Crab. CeeLo, give me another one. Well, this is interesting. Um, the question came, uh, they were talking about cuts, and the question came, why are we cutting revenue generators, a.k.a. taxes, I guess? Yep. And Daryl said, well, we're not. We're up over 300,000 jobs in this province. It's unbelievable the jobs are starting to come back to this province. Kind of sounds like Trump a little bit. It's going to create more and more of a demand for training. And then the question was pointed to him right away. But the unemployment rates just went up in Ontario. And he said, well, that's unfortunate. More and more (laughs) jobs are being created. And the people are just saying, too bad, I'm not working. (laughs) So so there's unemployment because people are just saying, screw it, I don't want to work. Well, you know what we should do? We should cut more taxes and create more jobs. That's, that's right. what people don't want. No, right. that doesn't make no. any sense at all. I'm not even sure. Bremner? This one takes a little setup. Okay. <laughs> so telling him 35 to 1, four e-learning credits. There are so many students that will not get the four e-learning credits. There are? There are, apparently. Okay. It's not for everyone. His answer, maybe in certain fields, that's not doable. And uh, we have to start the process to engage our youth to recognize we are moving to that kind of stuff. You're talking about computer literacy was the answer. We're we're talking about e-learning courses and teaching on a computer with no teacher in front of students. Yes. Well, you have to have guidance, he says. And then somebody explained what e-learning was to him. Oh, and the fact that there's no teacher there. Oh, the answer. That should not be the case. I'm not suggesting that you don't have to have a teacher. E-learning is just not totally off-premise. You have to have people there to help administer, guide, and sort of everything like that. Sure. Did I hear three double negatives in that yes. answer? <laughs> yes, you did. I think I was, I think I was just incepted. <laughs> I got another one. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So when he was talking about how our system in Ontario is not heads and above by a far stretch, he continued on and and he was asked, does that mean in terms of graduation rates, uh, EQAO scores? And he said, quote, it's everything. I don't have a table in front of me that says it's this or it's that. 
but based on common knowledge per se from all of the quote professionals, Good. brackets, analysts, industry, columnists, education process to suggest that we are 22 to one all of a sudden. And that's the reason we're highly successful and others aren't. Unfortunately, that's not the case. So Kendra asks, well, then how does moving to 28 to one, 28 to one make us more successful? And he says, quote, it's probably not, but it will dramatically save us money down the road to put into other programs, perhaps more into the trades. And then Kendra, of course, says, but we're not going to have any trade teachers. Yeah. It goes on from there. Now, I distinctly remember doing a little research, Scott, for a series of town halls that suggested our graduation rates were way up in the last 20 years. Way up, significantly up since 2004, since the last conservative government. Those statistics are real. So, but not heads and above and far and away or whatever the phrase was. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> by okay. a far stretch. <laughs> yeah, by a far stretch. You pick your best one after this. Okay, I'm going to yeah. cut you off after the next yeah. one. Brenner, you get two more. All right. So after explaining at a particular high school, there would be 18 classes in the school that are not going to be replaced. Right. His answer, well, it shouldn't be individual. If a school loses one teacher to retirement and another school loses 10, that second school shouldn't be penalized. That's wrong. Yes. The response, but in our contract, you can't force a teacher to move from Belleville to Bancroft. Right. And he's, that's right, but you can hire. There's going to be a lot of new hires. It's that simple. New hires? You'll be able to <laughs> maintain new, seniority yeah. <laughs> to move from one board to another. You won't be able to bump, but you won't lose. The teachers are the ones that ask for that, maintaining seniority. And then question on merging boards? In short term, I doubt it. Not right now. Not right now. Term two. Hey, grab that one about the uh, work leave for the next one. Stress leave. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's so many good ones. I don't even know what to pick. It's so like I'll, you I'll have kids. You love your kids all the same, um, but really you love one kid more than all the other kids. So pick the kid that you love the most. Well, he's talking about, they're talking about shop classes again and trades. And he says, good shops aren't there anymore, but they should be there. Yeah. That kind of training has got to come back into the secondary school system. Yeah. Well, as far as I know, we have lots of shop classes running in schools. I think the shop it's program at our school program. is pretty friggin' dumb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are assembly lines in Belleville shutting down because they can't get anyone to work. And then he talks about the cap. And Kendra says there's a cap of 21 students in a, in a shop for safety reasons. And he said that will have to change. And then she said, but moving 28 to 1 to a 28 to 1 means that a math class will have to be 37 to balance yes. out. And he said, there's going to be a definite restriction on how large a class can go. You can't have, you won't have 37 to 40 kids in a class. One might say a class cap of sorts. Right. And so yeah. Kendra, Kendra rightfully points out, <laughs> so how do you reach the 28 to 1 number? And he said, there's going to be enough in the system. I don't know. <laughs> my guess would be it gets better. My guess would be the vast bulk of the classes would be under that amount. That's for the bean counters to figure out. Your federation needs to come to the table with their plans. A government budget is not a management plan. You are the bean counter. You are the bean counter. It's awesome. Count the beans. It's unbelievable. Brenner, this one is my of all of all these wonderful responses. This was the one I heard in advance. I loved it the most. You can tell what kind of human being we're dealing with here. So when told that we have a teacher here on stress leave because her class is too stressful to handle with one adult, the answer was, well, then unfortunately, get another job. <laughs> but your government is wanting to put in more diversity of students at a class of 25, 15 with IEP, four with BSNP, two are autistic. Nah, it's not an easy job. 
<laughs> that was the answer. Four more years. Four more yeah. years. Next yeah. election, folks. Spring 2022. Ooh, not soon enough. Get your stuff ready. Take me out, boss. Today's podcast is brought to you by the end of Ontario's 50 million tree program, ripping out our future by the roots, one sapling at a time. All right, I got to start today with an apology, and that is to one of my childhood heroes, Dr. Seuss. But since our, uh, our fine uh, educational assistant, and I'll call him that, Sam Oosterhoff, came up with a Dr. Zeus quote to sort of justify some of his more interesting views, I thought I needed to go back to Dr. Zeus. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish, buck a beer fish, Tory blue fish, oster hoot fish. Give him the boot fish. These fish have gone too far. This one wants to replace your car. My, what ridiculous fish they are. Yes, a few are red and most are blue and some are orange and green is new. Most are sad, but blues are mad because they are very, very bad. Why are the blues very, very bad? It must be all the buck of beers they've had. <laughs> their research is thin, their tax cuts fat. Their leader is very, very proud of that. From Queen's Park to here, where these cuts have went, horrible things come from this government. Some will act sweet while most are a bore. They serve the elite to get 1% more. Where did they come from? It's easy to say. The short-sighted didn't think through sending Wynn away. We've seen them come. We want them to go. We want it fast. It feels so slow. Their poles were so high, and now they're low. They are dismantling Ontario just like no others. I can only say I feel bad for their mothers. <laughs> floored, floored, floored. They're all out of their gourd. Have you ever seen this horde? We need a sword for such a horde. Who am I? My name is Doug. I like what I'm doing. I am so smug. These polls are no good. This is not right. My support is dropping out of sight. The grin is gone now from my face. Oh, dear. I'm alienating all my base, I fear. I like my van. It was made for me. My friend Ron sits up in back, you see. Oh, we lost our Ron. And this is why. Ethics got in the way. Oh, my. Hello there, Doug. How do you do? Tell me, tell me what is new. How are these? How are you, you atrocious lug? What is new? Please tell me, Doug. I do not like these days at all. A lot of protesters have come to call. Autism, education, health, and a dozen more. Oh, what a province. I'll lock the door. Oh dear, oh dear, I cannot hear. Will you please come over near? Will you please look in my ear? There must be something there, I fear. Hmm, no, there's nothing in your ear. Just a tunnel to the other side, so clear. You may remain unburdened by what you hear. My vote is bold. Since the future's cold, we have a Ford, so we must hold. All the MPPs must be told. All the MPPs must be told. We have a Ford, so we must hold. My vote is bold since the future's cold. But the best part is the rest of the story is not yet told.
Today's podcast is brought to you by the Hats for Hunters program. Who can forget the groundswell of support for the great PC election pledge to invest $100,000 in an Ontario business to provide bright orange hats for hunters? With Hats for Hunters, even the wildlife can see Ontario looks ridiculous. Well, welcome back, folks. This is the last segment of season one. Are you a little sad? sad? I'm sad. Are you a little sad? I am very sad. District 29 unpacked. We hardly knew ye. <laughs> Let's hope. Uh, Let's no... hope we're renewed for season two. <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. We'll see if uh, we can get a good burrito sponsor for season two to keep us going. <laughs> and let's hope that there's nothing crazy enough in the next, uh, what, 10 or 12 weeks that we need to send, Emergency out, podcast. send out the bat signal. <laughs> Be ready. Well, everybody, <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm not holding my breath on that one. But listen, we wanted to finish, after Jason's uh, susicle, we wanted to finish uh, on something of a positive note. And I mm-hmm. think that's been something of a message of season one. Of like, look, things are kind of bleak. Things are kind of tough, but it's worth your fight because your fight might actually make a difference. And I think um, we should be optimistic about that heading into the summertime. So, CeeLo, mm-hmm. let's start with some simple numbers again. You, the, wiz- the numbers guy for some the reason. wizard of big, you are the bean counter who's going to solve those problems. The wizard <laughs> My partner of big does data. call me Rain Man once in a while. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and leave that one alone. But you go ahead and give us some numbers, some polling that shows us. The yeah. scales might be tipping. Well, uh, in the latest Enveronics poll, um, which I think was in in late May, May 21st or something, just like last last week, uh, 75% of Ontarians think the government's on the wrong track. In the Main Street polling, which is not known as a overly, I guess, progressive polling company, none of them really are, I suppose, on May 21st, has the PCs only at 22.4%. Approval or like a voter intention. Voter. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and even among those who said they voted for Ford last time, thirty-seven percent of those people said the government was on the wrong track. I think of all those that you have there, that might that should be the number that gives them the most pause. Now, that a third of their voters. It, it is a long way away from the next sure. election, as you pointed out. But yeah. what happens is, uh, all these MPPs they want to get reelected, right? They want, and so they're going to feel pressure. Todd Smith, Daryl Cramp, they're going to feel that's why we have mentioned time and time again about targeting them because because they feel the pressure. They're going to go to caucus and they're going to cause a stink if the polling numbers keep dropping like they are. Really, the Ford government Ford government's vote is collapsing. Um, eventually, the pressure is going to come to bear on those MPPs and and caucus could be a pretty interesting uh, thing. I, it's, I, it's important then that we continue as we've said all all throughout season one, saying the Cramp cuts. The Smith cuts, right? right? They gotta own it. If they're gonna That's vote right. for it, you have That's to own right. it and you're answerable to your electorate. It needs to be laid at their feet. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the strategy that the government has had of of death by a thousand small cuts, not even small in our case, but death by a thousand cuts. Like Four <laughs> percent. It's every day. It's kind of that I don't want to call it Trump doctrine, but it's like every day there's something new in the news to to distract you and take you away from the previous one. I think they're starting to realize that's backfired. And you're seeing them now go into full crisis mode, talking about we're going to we're declaring the province bankrupt. And yeah. you'll hear him time and time again now in news uh, and speeches, et cetera, talking about uh, bankruptcy and declaring bankruptcy, which, as I mentioned here earlier off the podcast, that it's a bit of a crock. Um, uh, it's around 44 percent of GDP is, is our debt load. 
in, in Ontario, which puts us very similar to the top ones in North America. It's certainly not dire straits. Uh, it's about what the average household would be, <laughs> uh, somewhere close to that. As an example, in Greece, when they declared bankruptcy a few years ago there, their GDP to debt ratio was 450%. We're not so, going to aim for that. No, but so it, it takes solace in the fact that we're not close to that. It's a fake crisis, um, and I think that's their strategy. Now they tried to do it almost in a for them in a soft way, and now it's an attempt to. I think now you're going to see tables turn, and they're going to declare this big crisis, and and it's going to be no, we have to do this because the province uh, financially is falling apart. So it comes back to that initial report that we talked about. I think in the yeah, first episode yeah. where they had that report commissioned and it'll tell them whatever they need to tell to make their story seem credible. One thing that came out today was that they, uh, have decided to, uh, pull back on their retroactive cuts to municipalities and the public health units, et cetera. And so there people are claiming, well, the government caved again. I think they've caved. Yes. Like I think they're feeling the pressure and that's a sign of that kind of pressure we're talking about. Uh, but in the end, they're they're not going to end those cuts. Those cuts are still coming. Yeah. It's just they've temporarily decided not to do them. So so they do feel the pressure. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have to keep the, I mean, the I, pedal to the metal. <laughs> those those small victories are are better, and better is good. Right. Right. It's yes. not. It's not. As long as all we want, but it's better, and better is good. So I would just as long as keep you, saying, we gotta you keep don't, going. as long as is is we don't relax. The people and we're not relax, complacent. That you're not complacent, yeah. and you and because that's part of what they want to spin in this, right? Is that right. hey, look at where we've heard and we're backtracking, but the reality is they're they're not. And I suspect you might end up, we might end up with something similar in education where they backtrack to instead of twenty eight to one to twenty six to one as a possibility and. Well, the fact that they feel they need to actually do something, whether it's just a token announcement or not, right? that tells you that they're, they're feeling There's that pressure. pressure. Yeah. And uh, frankly, it would have been much better last week because I'm beginning to think that the Game of Thrones writers are the ones who are <laughs> writing their first season as opposed to GOT's last season. Oh, God. What a debacle that last season of Game of Thrones was, by the way. <laughs> but it's, it's now everything's on fire, right? They're crashing in the polls. They're crashing everywhere else, and that seat's getting really, really hot. King of the Seven Kingdoms or King of the Ashes? Ooh. What do you want to be? Who's going to end up on the Iron Throne in the end of all this? Is it going to be John Tory? I think it's Scott Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that that's too much. That's Premier Marshall. Yeah. Premier yeah. Marshall. I Marshall. thought it was going to be Nick Nurse at the beginning. I <laughs> said why I should have known something was up. Well, thanks, uh, everyone, for listening in on episode six. Oh, our apologies to Greg Stevens. We had to bump him for next time, but we'll Again? make sure we get him in September yet. <laughs> a reminder to follow us on Twitter at OSSTFD. And that you can always email us at d29pac at gmail.com with your feedback. iTunes subscriptions. Folks, make sure you press your colleagues to get engaged now and stay engaged. Keep your ears open across the summer. Stay active online to keep in touch with what may be coming down the pipeline. Thank you for listening in on our first season. And when you hear from us again in September, it will be the 2019-2020 school year. Until then, we'll see you, boss.